and welcome to episode 62 of Penny Red. My name is Daniel Hodges, uh, writer and designer of uh, Faith and uh, Victoria. Now that I've got uh, two books, my guest today is Sean Hayworth, who is returning, I think, for the third time, fourth time, maybe. I, I think this is my third time on here, maybe fourth. I lost count. I can't count past three. I can't well, count past four. I learned, I'm that's a right. player. So <laughs> it's like the trolls in uh in Discworld. Have you read Terry Pratchett's books? I, I have not. I've I've seen the uh the BBC uh Oh right, yep, yep. Adaptations yeah, they, of those which are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the books are good. If I'm gonna if I was gonna make a suggestion, um I would say and I've I've said this before, but I'll I'll say it again for anybody that didn't hear me say it the first time. Read the Guards series. And uh yeah, the the one of the best books ever. That, I, that I've ever read is uh, it's called The Night Watch, which I think is the third or fourth book in that series. You can't just go straight away and read it. You need to sort of build it up. It's a bit of a slow burn, but yeah, that's uh, that book is excellent anyway. So there's a there's a top tip for you. Go read the uh, the Terry Pratchett books. But anyway, just a little bit of business first of all. Um, I wanted to say a big thanks to uh, Declan, Chris, and uh, and Frank um, for their kind words about the release of, uh, of faith. Um, so thanks to, uh, those guys. And I'm thinking that what I'll do is, uh, for anybody that, uh, purchases the, uh, the game or the PDF or whatever you can, uh, I'll, I'll have your email. Um, and I'm going to do a, a special bonus podcast where I'll answer all the questions from, from season one and add a little extra stuff in there. I'll get some sort of guest to, uh, to ask me the questions. Perhaps my, uh, my eight year old or, or perhaps one of the previous guests might be more, uh, more to people's liking. But anyway, so that's what I'll, what I'll do. I'm not, no guarantees about when that's going to happen, but if you need an extra incentive, then by all means, um, uh, do that. Now, if you buy it through RPG.net instead of buying it from me directly, first of all, um, thanks still, but uh, I get paid more money if you buy it from me directly. Don't feel bad about that. But this, the problem with it is that sometimes if you've, Asked to obfuscate your uh, email address as part of your purchase um, agreement. It means I don't know who's bought it. So if you've bought it, you can always uh, send me an email. I just have to trust that you're not just uh, stringing me along. But anyway, there you go. That's uh, a little bit of information about uh, Faith, and I'm going to put uh, Sean on the spot later on, maybe, and ask him about it, uh, seeing as I sent it to him. But anyway, uh, first thing is uh, Sean hasn't said anything. You've got no idea what it looks like. Say something, Sean. <laughs> Uh, hi. There you go. Look, there we go. Right there. Uh, uh. <laughs> so you're going to hear some uh, the sound of cards now. Is it riffling yeah. or rifling? It's 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 riffling. Yeah, yeah I was it's... pretty sure it was riffling. I forget exactly where I. There we go. Look, Sean. Yeah. Sean's a magician. I'm a terrible magician. <laughs> Don't burst the bubble here. I'm setting you up. I'm hoping you're going to do some sort of magic show uh, for us quickly. So you know what? I'll 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 bring some stuff to big bad con when we're there uh, right right but uh i, I don't have no ma- i don't think magic shows transmit to the 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 uh the, the podcast medium uh, either so no no if i could figure out how to do like an audio magic trick that would be the best thing ever uh, <laughs> oh let me let me do but, one right now okay hmm. i'm thinking of a card right now th- what thinking, card is it i'm thinking of hold on take a guess is is this your card it is. Uh-huh. Oh my! Oh my! Uh, that's like like that's like virtual magic, like virtual virtual real magic. I know. I'm I know. I'm, a little, I'm feeling a little bit uh, I'm feeling a little bit spooked now, Sean. I'm well, lie. well, I, I I don't know if you noticed, but Pat Robertson has been talking about Dungeons and Dragons again. I I have. That's <laughs> actually one of the things I want to talk about. Let's let's talk about that now for the benefit of those that uh, haven't seen or don't know anything about Pat Robertson. Pat Robertson is an evangelical 
Uh, do you know what particular flavor he is? Is he a Baptist or is he a... Uh, Wackaloon? <laughs> I don't know if that's an actual denomination. But... It may be hard to get a tax exemption if they're yeah, yeah. a Wackaloon. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, anyway, so he's an evangelical Christian who... Um, I don't know if he... Is he ahead of the curve here or is he like 30 years behind the curve? <laughs> I, you know what I think his problem is, is that he's irrelevant. I mean, of course he, he, uh, like all of his money is, is made on this, this idea that everything that isn't the Bible is automatically the work of the devil. Uh, right, right. so, you know, he, uh, I don't know, like, I, I, I can only imagine that, that he actually believes the stuff that he says on his television show. Uh, so, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt as far as that goes. Uh, I guess that's not really saying much. I mean, that's that's kind <laughs> well, of like saying, you, if the only book you read is the Bible, I think you're. you're rest- I mean, yeah, there's all sorts of interesting things going on there, I suppose. But uh, yeah, but, I, yeah. So anyway, so tell me what he's been what he's been saying recently specifically. Have you heard? Much, have you uh, listened to much of it? Because it just sort of. I, Okay, so so the clip was going around, like the YouTube clip yeah. from. I'm I'm guessing that was the 700 Club. I think that's the name of his his show. Right, right. Uh, and uh, somebody somebody wrote in, uh, wrote in asking if it was okay to play computer games that have magic in them. Right. I, I I'm I'm guessing that there's a. <laughs> this is this is uh, like shooting fish in a barrel. I'm guessing there's a Christian out there who likes playing Skyrim. Oh, hang on now. Uh, okay, sure. Let's go oh, with that for a moment. It seems I, unlikely, but sure. Let's. I, I know. Let's, I know. Let's like, run with it. Let's run with it now. One of the one of the, one of the best selling games of all times. Certainly, somebody in the majority of America uh, is playing playing that game. Right. Uh, so so yeah that that that's the question to which the Rational answer is, uh, yeah, because it's a game and not real. But but the answer that this man gives is something along the lines of, well, I I, I don't know, but isn't it better to just just run away from from things that might be evil just in case? I mean, there used to be this game a long time ago called Dungeons and Dragons, and it literally ruined people's lives. Right, I, right. I yeah. don't even think I'm paraphrasing there. I think that's <laughs> a verbatim quote. Yeah, we're into Patricia pulling territory there, aren't we? Like, what is it, bothered bothered about Dungeons and Dragons? Bad, bad was it what she was? Yeah, or was it was it bothered about Dungeons and Dragons or Mothers Against Dungeons and Dragons? Well, like yeah, that. I don't know. So, yeah, something like that. But bothered, yeah, bothered about Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. So, like, you know, I'm just kind of, you know, I'm just bothered about it. You know, like, I'm not really mad. It's just sort of bothering <laughs> me a little bit it's, right it's, now. It's not making me angry. I just, <laughs> I just don't get it. Like, yeah. why, why are you, why would you push the little metal guys around? I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I'm, yeah, I'm just, it's just bothering. Yeah, yeah. So, and then, so, do you think he just like uh, clicked into? I mean, I don't know if Pat Robertson was against, uh, was against Dungeons Dragons thirty years. Ago. I have to assume so because it was sort of like pretty hot to be against that back yeah. in the day. But did he? It just seemed like he sort of rolled out. He was just like, I don't even know uh, what's a computer. Um, yeah, like there's, there's a mouse, there are mice running around, and there's a there's a screen. I don't know, like are there little curtains on the side? I'm not sure about that. Um, there's a there's some and there's like there's a hard drive, and there's a there's a software, like maybe soft <laughs> clothing, like a Terry telling robe you wear when you're doing this computering. Um, and <laughs> and I think Dungeons and Dungeons and Dragons 
that's bad. I know about that, and that's right. bad. It's right. bad, bad, bad. And that's the best information I've got for you right now. Yeah. Uh, I, it's like, I think it made the rounds because it's amusing. Like, hmm. like this is the this is the BS that the gaming community dealt with back in the 1980s. Yeah. And, and much like the rest of the Satanism scare of the 1980s, yeah. it passed because people only stay crazy for so long about that stuff apparently yeah. but uh whack jobs never I forget wonder, yeah well i wonder if it's just like the sort of the bulge of dungeons and dragons and role players in general sort of moving through um there's also that same bulge of evangelical christians um and you can just sort of tap into that old school hate dungeons and dragons thing because that's the people who are actually giving him money yeah yeah probably probably i mean i it's it's just yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, no, I do get it. I, I do get it. I, I get that old people get set in their ways and don't change. So if it was right. evil 20 years ago, then it's evil today. Of course. So, well, there's so. no if about it. What's that? There's no if about it. I mean, No, no, no. no. <laughs> exactly. So other big, other big news this week, apart from uh, the hardcover of Faith got into my uh, hot little hands, um, there's, uh, I was reading a bit about um, Luke Crane's uh, new game and being the world's largest fanboy. Uh, <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you say it. I didn't have to own up to it myself <laughs> this time. That's right. I remember, uh, I, I, was it, I think you saw you at Big Bad Con. Luke had a, had a uh, container of, of chips and he'd finished the French fries and then he, and like one of the chips he'd bit, you know, threw it in the bin and you're over there with your camera taking photographs of this is a piece of a French fry that Luke Crane ate. You can just see that. It, there it is. Got it. <laughs> no? No, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> That that was yeah, you did, yeah. <laughs> right. You've got it framed. There's a picture of you kids. Those of you that just listen to the podcast, um, there's actually a picture on the wall behind Sean right here, and it's got a. Uh, it's the title is "Food That Luke Crane Has Partially Consumed." There are French fries on there. I think that's a burrito. Um, I can't quite. Is that a human ear? Perhaps. Uh, uh, no, it's it's a simulated human ear because it's a vegetarian. <laughs> oh, that's uh. right. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I had. Yes, I had forgot. Yes, that's right. It's a, it's a, it's a tofu ear. That's it's right. Partially consumed tofu, tofu <laughs> ear. Anyway, so being the foremost fanboy of uh, of Luke Crane's uh, work, um, and you're in good company there because he uh, he makes great games. Um, what do you know about the uh, about the new one that's that's coming out? It's going to be Kickstartering. Is it Kickstartering already? Or uh, no, no, it hasn't started. Uh, I know it's. I know it's starting soon. Uh, right. soon i believe can be anywhere in the next like three to five weeks that's speculation sure. but, but i know sure. uh i i know that that some stuff has already been uh talked about on the on the burning wheel forums uh right anyway the so so the game is called torchbearer right uh it is uh from what i gather a uh an extensive rework of the mouse guard rule set uh, right. Rather than the the actual like burning wheel rule set, yeah, yep. uh, and they're doing um, they're doing a game that's that's uh, like old school dungeon crawling, uh, right? Uh, kind of along the lines of of like Moldvay D and D, right? Uh, where the entire like game takes place in the dungeon, yes, uh, crawling through, and uh, uh, from from what I understand, and I. There are people who've gotten to play test this game. I have not gotten to touch it yet. Right, right. Uh, 
but apparently it is brutal. Like, oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, part of the game, from what I gather, is inventory management. Right. Uh, so, so you only have a limited number of stuff to carry, and that includes things like light sources. Yes. Uh, so you yeah. know you're 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 crawling crawling through the dungeon, and they have to make decisions like, yeah. Well, do I want to do I want to take my sword out of the dungeon or this treasure or this baby? Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, that's that's always struck me as a missed opportunity in Dungeons and Dragons. Like the idea of managing your stuff was, uh, you know, like you just grab the stuff and you put it in your backpack and you never really got it out, or at least I never really got it out and took careful note of how many torches I was using. And it always felt a little bit like that was a, a missed opportunity. Like you're going along, you're getting this gold, and there's hundreds and thousands of the gold pieces hanging around the place. And I think, well, how's my guy carrying all this stuff? What's he doing with it? You know, I didn't, it wasn't that I really wanted to explore um, how heavy something was, but I felt like uh, keeping track of that stuff could actually be something that was somewhat interesting. Right, right, and actually, uh, interesting. You should say that the uh, the the Moldvay basic actually does take that into account. Like right. every every so many rounds, a torch like that's how long a torch lasts. Right. Right. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> and I know that was uh, the the I believe uh, original intent of the encumbrance rules wasn't so yes. much to to penny pinch about you know. Uh, how, how much stuff you were carrying, but more about like how much this load had an impact on your ability to do other stuff. Yes, uh, yep. and and it would not surprise me one little bit if uh, if the the burning wheel guys made that. Uh, well, I I know that they made made uh, the amount of stuff that you're carrying uh, important, like a thing yeah. to take up two inventory slots in your backpack. Sure. Uh, so you know you have to make these hard decisions yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. one other thing I'll, I'll note about this game is that luke actually isn't the writer on this one right uh tor, tor olives uh wrote it right. um and i uh i never actually got to talk to him about it i i had a brief conversation with with tor about uh about D over over dinner while uh sean Nittner and i were at pax this right. last year right uh and uh, so, so there was a there was a little bit of insight to is as to what they were doing there because they were they were really like playing this game hard and analyzing like what was going on. Yeah. Uh, and I and I know that this has been something that Tor's been working on for a while. Uh, right. so it's cool to see it come to fruition. Right. Uh, and aside from that, uh, Luke, I think just today. Uh, release that it's going to be thirty-five bucks for the book or fifteen for the PDF, right? Um, and they will be kickstarting it at some point. And I think it's a swagless Kickstarter; like they're not adding a whole bunch of extra stuff to it, right? right. Uh, which uh, I actually think is kind of nice. Uh, yeah, it's often difficult to troll through that and figure out what um, you know. Like, do I want to do this or do I want to do do I want to do that? I think it's great having the stuff there. It's I think that for a book that's not fully realized uh going into kickstarter i think that that having this extra swag as you call it um has its place but i think that for a book that's almost completely done i would imagine that that is um because i'm guessing it is probably done right uh i don't know if it's if i i think it's in the final bits of editing uh right. lucas lucas the one editing this one right Right, uh, and I know that there was there was a last little bit of uh, playtesting they were advertising 
uh, which unfortunately I couldn't do because I had too much mouse guard experience. Right. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's, it is in the, the last little bit of, of fine tuning. Right. Uh, and, and like all things burning wheel, we don't have like solid release dates yet. Right. I think they're hoping to get it out for gen con. Right. Sure. Uh, so, so it should be, uh, like, like, like we said, the, the Kickstarter should be coming up soon. And then, right. uh, yeah, uh, I'm excited. I, as soon as Luke said, Hey, we're coming out with something new. I immediately grabbed my wallet. So that's right. <laughs> I've got another partially consumed tofu ear for you. I know, I know. <laughs> going, going cheap. Um, yeah, so so keep an, keep an eye out for that. Um, and I was also, uh, if you've got any money left over after um, supporting all the any number of the Kickstarter things that are, are going on at the moment, also um, with Faith coming up, I'm sure you're all uh, saving your pocket money for that. Um, uh, I saw something on there for um, for Cthulhu as well. So I meant to make a note of what the Cthulhu thing was, but if you if you go to um, Kickstarter, um, look for Cthulhu, there's probably not too many things out there about that, and there's a, uh, another sort of a, um, a collection of ad adventures, if you like, um, that are available as part of a Kickstarter. And it looks like it's going to fun, but so that was the, the one thing that I plucked out of Kickstarter uh, this week that you guys might like to, uh, might like to have a look at. But uh, anyway, moving along. Um, today's topic i suppose if, if there is such a such a thing i'm sure we'll diverge from time to time is i was on rpg.net and uh there was uh um an article or a thread that was started by a chap or woman perhaps called uh, laser star dragon so if you go to rpg.net and look up laser star dragon um you probably be able to to find the threads that they've uh, started but they drew attention to a uh an article and it sort of dovetailed with something that I was thinking about um, over the last little bit, thinking about where faith sort of fits into the types of games that uh, that there are. And and I came across uh, and I came across this um, this post, like I say, by Laser Star Dragon, um, and it's a an article from the Steve Jackson Games Magazine Pyramid uh, issue number two from July and August 1993. And if you have a look online. Um, and you're patient, you should be able to find a, a copy of that. Um, the one I saw was actually produced, is actually on the Steve Jackson website, so you're not going to be uh, doing anything bad by by looking it up, although you can just, in the interest of uh, doing Steve Jackson a tiny, well, Steve Jackson, Steve Jackson doesn't any favours from uh, from me, yeah. but just in case, um, <laughs> you can you can buy all these back issues as well, uh, the full app. But anyway, this excerpt was from there. And anyway, it was, uh, what's what is role-playing going to be like in 20 years' time. Now, this article, was, as I say, was written in 1993, so we've jumped the gun um, by probably two or three months because it was July, August, but it's uh, close enough, I think, that we can we can take the liberty of, uh, of checking out how uh, how they got on. So I'm not sure um, whether you remember this article, Sean. I'm going to guess uh, not. I have not. I have not oh, seen this. I'm, I, I fail. Oh, I'm, I'm a terrible guest. Oh, you, well, that's terrible. <laughs> Um, so anyway, this uh, the article was, um, and actually it's just as well, because I'm interested to see what your reactions are, because I haven't had a chance to, to digest it and, and sort of mull it over. But anyway, um, the, he asked, uh, Steve Jackson asked a bunch of guys, and he was one of those guys. Um, so the Steve Jackson, uh, Mike Pondsmith is one of them, Eric Wujic, I don't know, uh, the J's probably slight. Anyway, the Amber Diceless guy, um, Lloyd Blankenship, um, 
Michael Stackpole and uh, there's a game um, a game company um, who is now defunct who they asked as well I guess because they figured that obviously everything's going to be more about computers but anyway I will go through it a little bit at a time here and then we can sort of uh, comment on it then we'll talk about what we think is going to happen in uh, in 20 years to um, to role playing so anyway Steve Jackson was the first one up and he said that um, he thought the future was all about um, internationalism so um, his sort of I think they wrote like 200 words each or something like that. But anyway, his thing was, you know, we're going to be playing games from all over the uh, the world. Sort of, he says this, the gaming started off in America, and and one of the ridiculous claims he makes in it. Sorry, Steve. Um, <laughs> I'm going to assume that this was tongue in cheek, but he said that by the end of 1994, every role player will have played a game from France translated into English. Now, I don't know if I know of a French role playing game that's been translated into English. Um, and I don't. Uh, do you know any? Like, what's your? Uh, I cannot think of one. I meant to. I meant to do. I meant to search it up. So um, now that Google's got this fascinating feature where you can uh, where you can type away. Go, Sean. Do it. Look, it's going to make. It's going to make. I'm, I'm. I'm looking it up right now. You're on it. You're on. It. I've got my best men working on it right now. Anyway, so Steve Jackson said, um, "Stuff's going to happen. We're going to be playing international games, and that international flavor is going to." translate into the different types of uh is going to translate to different types of gameplay now he wrote that he says from when he was in brazil um and he was talking about probably one of the according to him one of the 10 biggest role-playing conventions um in the world apparently it's been held in sao paulo and three thousand people had signed up on the first day he was there this is 20 years ago so i don't know quite how that translates to how many people there are overall but um but yeah that's there's a pretty big convention i never even sort of considered um, what conventions might be like elsewhere in the world. I don't speak Portuguese. I can hablo espanol or castellano um, uh, in, in poco, um, but that's about as far as uh, I could get, so I don't know if I'd be able to do much with it. Anyway, the, the gist of this thing was um, international. Uh, we're going to be playing games from all over the world, um, and that's going to inform the way that uh, we play, the way that we play games. So there's nothing really, um, nothing really sort of revolutionary about that idea. How true is that? Um, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Right. Okay. Uh, so I, I think, uh, I think we're starting to see that. Uh, I think we're just now starting to see that, uh, at least in in uh, in bigger ways. Right. Um, I, as we were talking about Kickstarter just a little while ago, right. I spent a ridiculous amount of money uh, on a game called Tenra Bancho Zero. Uh, right. Which is a, I believe the one of the first, first uh, all Japanese games that have been turned translated into English. Right. Right. Uh, I, I don't know if Made was originally published in Japan and then, and then brought over here, uh, or if it was an American game made by hardcore anime fans. I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, I'm just trying to think of the name of the author for that. I know that. Um... There was also what's the name of the the one where uh, the men have to play the courtiers and they have to have a woman who plays the samurai. Uh, is that is that love in the time of something something? Mm, uh, I've, I've, we've talked about it on the show here, and that's my my memory's letting me down here. But anyway, it's, uh, maybe it'll come to me here in, in a minute. But um, but yeah, so tell me about this game. Uh, so so Tim Rabancho Zero is a, a very uh, it's it's a little story gamey, like it's it's right. uh, way way based in manga. Like it's described as a, right. as a hy hyper Asian uh, 
RPG. Uh, and, and yeah, it's pretty much like, like Ninja Scroll and, uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion and, and all of that good stuff all, all mashed up in a, uh, in a pseudo, uh, Sengoku period Japan kind of fantasy setting. Uh, it's really cool. And I spent a lot of money on it, uh, because I'm a nerd, but, uh, I know that the uh, the dude who who translated it spent like six years translating this game from Japanese, yeah. And and once they did, like it turns out that it's uh, it does a lot of stuff. Uh, I, th- I think it was originally it came out in like nineteen ninety six or ninety seven. Okay. Uh, and uh, and it does a lot of stuff that that some American designs like Burning Wheel. Uh, we're we're doing similar things, you know. Ten years right. later, right, uh, right. Com- completely like, what, what yeah, is it? Yeah, that's parallel evolution, right? And yeah, game, exactly. In a gaming sense, you know that uh, that idea of the aardvark and the anteater and the echidna, you know, like three different sort of animals all doing exactly the same thing. And I guess that sort of like there's no, um, you know, there's nothing new. How does it go? There's nothing new under the sun. Something or other. I forget exactly how the quote goes, but yeah. There, there are only so many ways to uh, to skin a cat. Also, I've heard I haven't tried skinning a cat, but you know. Yeah, I I figured out like three of them. But... <laughs> well, it's certainly more than one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, like uh, between between stuff like that, and I know there's another one, uh, Golden Golden Sky Story, something like that. Right. I think is the name of it. That's that's uh, kickstarting now, and uh, you know, in the in the world of LARPs. Uh, Yes. A, a lot of uh, of the the uh, Scandinavian style LARP has has become popular and has either been played over here or is seriously informed games right. uh, being designed here. Right. Uh, but honestly, I think that has uh, that has a lot more to do with the internet now. Yeah, I'm, I think you're probably right. You know, just that uh, that. Um, the gathering of ideas the internet allows, you know, like, I mean, I've, I've said it a number of times uh, previously, but just, you know, if you're a small town, the chance of getting to be, getting, uh, talking to people that are like-minded is smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. So, you know, just being able to have access to other people's similar likes and, and similar hobbies just brings people together. And I guess there's just that opportunity to talk about all that stuff. So, yeah, so school one of the internet there, I think that's probably, that's probably, um, the crux of it. And Steve Jackson does go on to say that we're going to be playing games all over the world. And in 10 years, you know, people will be able to play, play role-playing games um, online. But do you think that we play role-playing games online now? Like real, can you get a good role-playing experience um, online or is it still not quite there? Cause I, the I, I think it's, I think it's getting better and better all the time. Uh, I, you know, I, uh, as somebody who at this point runs almost exclusively over Google plus now, um, because it's, we just don't have the time to like have people come over and run and schedules and this stuff. Uh, you know, my, my gaming group is, uh, you know, myself and my wife who are two work rooms apart and then our friends in Iowa and Nevada and, uh, God, I can't even remember where our friend, Matt is from now somewhere where it's cold and snowy right now, right. Like, where people yeah. just sh- shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, one of those people where people just shouldn't live. That's uh, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. Uh, 
No, but I mean, uh, I've I've run games for uh, uh, one online convention uh, and had a player from, I believe, Israel, right, playing Mouse Guard with us. Right, right. Uh, so, so yeah, we are literally playing with people all over the world. You know, assuming you can get all of the uh, all your schedules lined up. Right. Right. I'm still thinking about because nowadays role playing games and uh, Japan um, apparently uh, had role playing games on the computer before they had pen and paper role playing. So when you say RPG in Japan, you're talking about computer gaming. And then if you are doing uh, pencil and paper, apparently it's called TRPG, which is um, a table talk uh, or TTRP, or table talk role playing. You know, that. Uh, it's sort of an interesting thing that came out of this uh, article. Um, I don't know if that's still true, but any Japanese... And I know that there is at least one Japanese listener. So if you're a Japanese Japanese listener and you know this is uh, accurate or not, then please uh, please drop us a line. Um, DanielHasTheGaming.com um, So, but, like, World of Warcraft still isn't... It's not really role-playing, right? Like, it's, it's role-playing in the computer sense, but you don't actually play... You know, don't don't get to express your role quite in the same way. Like that's not. No, no, it's it's not. It's uh, and and I am a WoW player, so uh, I, I tried to fight against it for as long as I could, but eventually I succumbed. Succumbed, uh, succumbed. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, I there are uh, quote unquote RP servers, right? Uh, but I just I. I don't see how how it could work. They they have a, a a very interesting backstory and a lot of uh, a lot of lore and and stuff going on mm. uh, that you can interact with. But yes. uh, the computers in general have like the horrible limitation of being uh, in, they can be incredibly complex, yeah. uh, but it's still a series of branching branching decision trees that have to be put right. down before right. you can actually actually interact with it uh, yeah yeah which which humans uh as of yet until we have like artificial intelligences that right can, that can right. modify a, things on the on the yeah. fly yeah yeah that's it artificial intelligence is what will be that will actually allow role playing to uh to really become something you can do on the computer like you can do role playing over g plus um or skype or however it is that you do it but in terms of actual a game that, that's role playing is going to require that, right? Right, right. I mean, we have we have technology that can facilitate people coming together and uh, doing doing a a fairly good facsimile of being in the same room and, and right. you know rolling dice on the table. Uh, right. But yeah, you're right. It's 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 not quite it's not quite there yet. Uh, it would be nice if we had like awesome virtual reality like telepresence setups. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but we do not live in Neuromancer, fortunately yeah, right. or unfortunately. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I think that's another thing that's going to be a big plus is when you can sort of like go. I mean, I'm sure that you can get them now. So, so um, uh, maybe it's just a matter of the software supporting. But when you can like put on a pair of pair of headphones, I've got my computer friendly headphones on. But if I put on my big, you know, my big cans, um, then uh, you can, uh, and it's got sort of like a three dimensional a three-dimensional sort of like soundscape inside it so that you're better able to, because um, I know that because everything goes in um, and then it just sort of comes out 
um, at the other end, you lose that spatial um, feeling that you get when you've got a whole bunch of people there. But I, and I've mentioned this before, but I'll, I'll get your thoughts on it. I also find it much more difficult, um, or at least it doesn't even work, is if you've got more than one person talking at a time in a busy room, you can key in on the person that you're talking to and all the other stuff sort of fades into the background. But I find that that's not the case um, on the computer because, first of all, the mic will only – or sorry, the speakers and the mic will only allow so much through so you don't quite get that same sort of uh, feeling. You've got to be – I mean, I guess it eliminates table talk to a degree, but at the same time, um, some table talk I think is good, particularly if you're in a, a tactical sort of scenario or where you've got other things going on. If somebody's doing something and you're having a talk about the game with the other with somebody else that's at the table, you know, that's – that's something that I don't think the G plus allows you. The sound's not quite there, right? Yeah, yeah. And and your uh, your option, your your other option for table talk is to to use the uh, the chat window, uh, which right. is is used extensively in uh, in the games uh, that right. I've been running. Mostly posting it links to funny pictures from. Oh, is he gone? Have I gone? He's stuck. It looks like he's about to swear. Anyway, I'm sure I'm sure he'll be back. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he'll be back at any moment. But um, but yeah. So while uh, while Sean's coming back there, um, you people that are listening uh, just to the audio here, you can pretend that that Sean is still here and he's just letting me uh, produce a monologue at the moment. Anyway, so um, the uh, yeah. So my uh, my headphone idea um, is if you're a technological whiz of uh, so oh he's back. I'm back. Sorry, it, it just was, booted me. That was weird. Yeah, I'm just uh, extol, I'm just uh, expressing my idea. Uh, my idea is this: where um, you have a set of uh, this is copyright me, obviously. I mean, we can talk about some sort of royalties arrangement here to anybody that's listening to this. But a pair of headphones, um, which has got um, a number of speakers in them, perhaps a certain number per ear, whatever, um, and then everybody, and then each speaker. Um, is dedicated to a certain person um, in the in the the chat. So uh, you might uh, you set it up ahead of time where you create a soundscape where everybody's sitting, and then you can then each individual speaker will produce the sound that's going into that person's mic. There you go. There's my uh, that was me filling in time there till you came back, Sean. Nice. Do I, sound like nice. A, do I sound like a crazy person? I think that could work. Uh, you always sound like a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. So good. Then I'm not being inconsistent. Right. Excellent. Right. Okay, so I think we've talked about uh, Steve Jackson. We're probably going to have some overlap with some more uh, more stuff here. But the next uh, chap uh, was, and they're all chaps, though, um, unfortunately. I'm not sure if that uh, was a sign of the times or whether he was just were just people that uh, Steve Jackson knew. The next guy is Mike Pondsmith. Now, for those who don't know who Mike Pondsmith is, um, his most popular, critically acclaimed, maybe, uh, game was uh, Castle Falkenstein. Oh, okay. Um, but he's also um, he's also uh, cyberpunk as well. And I, uh, I think, from I think that, from Artelsorian games. Yes, he he is okay. Artelsorian. Yeah, yeah. Um, he yeah, it's him and his wife. I think basically is the company. I'm not sure if uh, if they have got anybody else that, that's hired there. But anyway, um, but the moment they're working on, so you can check him out. He's working on a game called Cyberpunk, um, Cyberpunk 2077, or something like that. There's some some number attached to cyberpunk, but anyway, um, so yeah, so that was his thing. And he, um, he talked about, uh, the different generations of, of games. And he felt that in 1993, um, that we were, that there was the fourth generation of games. He identified the first generation as being, 
um, all about sort of tactics, I guess. Like Dungeons and Dragons, Tunnels and Trolls, Traveller. And the second generation was uh, like Role Master and stuff, system heavy games. And then the third generation was going to be all about settings or something. Um, and then the fourth generation is all about it being easy for people to play um, using sort of game, uh, different game mechanics and stuff that would make it easy for everybody to, uh, to play. And he was lamenting that there'd be no, um, uh, because I think it was, it was him, but anyway, let's pretend it was. Um, he was talking about how comics are mainstream, like uh, people know who Superman is and Wonder Woman is and so forth, but uh, people don't know Demogorgon or Orcus, you know, Right, right. And in the same way. Um, and so he lamented the fact that it wasn't really in the in the um in the public eye and uh he was feeling was that the fourth generation of games would be games that maybe families would play together in their house and uh and I don't know if they were sitting in their spacesuits or what they were doing, but um like people would play in their houses um and everybody would know how to do it and it wouldn't be difficult and there would be touchstones for people in the public to uh role playing games. Uh and yeah, and that was just before he released Castle Falkenstein, which had the uh, the card game um, sort of mechanics, which I think was perhaps a little bit of foreshadowing on his own behalf. He must have been working on Castle Falkenstein at the time he wrote that. But uh, what do you reckon? Uh, you know, I, I think uh, you know since since we're 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 looking at this and now looking for evidence to see whether or not that actually happened. Uh, I think that there's some that are maybe I. I don't. I don't think we're we're ever going to see, uh, like specific, uh, specific things from role playing games become uh, household memes. Like you will never, uh, you'll you'll never see Orcus occupying the same mind mind share as as Batman or Superman because frankly nobody's going to make a blockbuster movie about it. True. Uh, <clears throat> Game of Thrones is pretty uh, is pretty. Yeah, I mean, it's I, sort of sword and sorcery-ish, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and 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 I think uh, I think what what we're saying is uh, people who are influential now uh, were were nerds back in the day, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, every, I I have a weird, uh, probably untrue, uh, and certainly unprovable belief that that most. <laughs> So what you're saying is you've got something uh, that you want to say and you don't care whether people agree or not. Right, right, right. Uh, no, I, th- I think that most people, like when they were when they were younger, uh, were were probably much more nerdy than they were uh, as they got older. You know, it's right. it's only those of us who refuse to put away childish things uh, that uh, <laughs> that that still like this stuff. Uh, but I mean, the, the you know people that are writing screenplays and in uh in hollywood you know are the people with huge imaginations you know when they were kids and they were kids you know at this point growing up in the 70s and 80s uh so so yeah i think a lot of a lot of those those tropes and ideas are getting are getting carried forward and we're you know imparting those onto onto our children i uh, i know i'm looking for to the day when i can play games with my kid right uh so, so I think to an extent, like the idea of of games as something that you do with the family, uh, you know, role playing games and and uh, and those sort of sort of fantasy and sci fi mm. things that that have always been the the purview of of the uh, the nerdy outcast are, are right. becoming more mainstream because yeah. 
you know, the adults are, are passing that down to, yeah. to their kids oh. and, and, and people are much more accepting of stuff now, nowadays. So it doesn't have the stigma that it, that it used to have. Right. Uh, yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah, that's uh, and that was. I mean, I hadn't read this article at the time, but that was one of the things I was thinking about uh, when I was uh, writing Faith. Was trying to make sure it was something that uh, anybody could pick up and play because I think that people might like to do it, but there's still that perception that you, there's a whole bunch of tricky rules and stuff. Like, how am I going to go about? How am I going to go about doing this? So, you know, I, I wrote it with you know, like do this and read this and and so forth. Not quite Lance, uh, Dragon Lance sort of box text t- style, but you know, just sort of ideas about you know, this is what you can do, and then and then take it from uh, take it from there. Right, right. And I think it's it's really helpful that we have uh, have things like uh, Will Wheaton's tabletop show, yeah, uh, where yeah. they play stuff. You know, they they played some some more traditional RPG ish mm-hmm. stuff. I think they did some Savage Worlds and and right like the Dragon Age RPG, but they also did Fiasco, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is, which is a hugely accessible game. Yes. You know, yeah, you, yeah. Even, even uh, it's, it's not my personal favorite game uh, sure. just because it's not the kind of thing that I like to do. No, right. Uh, but it's, but it's a good game. Yes. Uh, and it's, it's something that's really easy for, for people who are not, uh, you know, embroiled in the gamer jargon and the, mm. the existing gamer culture to, to pick yeah. up and be like, oh, this isn't like running through a dungeon and swinging a sword. This is like yeah. that movie that I saw that one time. That's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. exactly. And yeah. and I think that that's, that's really good. I think uh, that, that uh, companies like Margaret Wise, who gets, uh, you know, their entire business model is based on on picking up licenses from, from fairly yeah. popular things, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that, that sort of cross promotion, I think certainly helps bring yeah, yeah. You know, other people into the hobby and therefore bring it more out to the mainstream. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Um, and, and a lot of games are starting to, ish- or at least have been issuing weird dice. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, like, like you said, playing with, you know, household things, I can, yeah. uh, you know, go and, uh, scavenge stuff from the old uh monopoly game right and uh use those to play faster yeah for sure okay the next chap was um uh eric wood sick i would i don't know um i i don't know um but it's all right because um i could not understand uh what it was that he was saying he's obviously (laughs) a very smart man but it seemed to me that the central treatise um of his piece was um, and he wrote Amber Diceless, so um, he's obviously got something going for him. Um, he starts off with a plug, but then he was talking about a player that he played with that could visualize stuff in the fourth dimension. Um, and he was talking about tesseracts and moving walls and some guy who was able to find his way around this tricky dungeon that he'd made. Um, and then that was it. Um, I didn't really... <laughs> I don't... I, um, that sort of was the crux of what it, that was sort of like the meat of what he was saying. But if I was going to reduce it to one line, I think overall he was suggesting that um, uh, that role playing games would become things perhaps that people could learn things from. Like you could play a role playing game that would actually teach you something. I'm not sure whether he meant in terms of you know you can learn um, about like Rome or, or something like that, or whether what he actually meant was. Um, you could use it as a way to teach um, storytelling or something like that. But I know that, um, at least for me, actually, no, go ahead. Uh, 
I, I think there there's something to that. Uh, I think historically, you know, games have, have always been used to teach to teach things. Uh, yeah, yeah, there, sure. There's 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 uh, documented evidence of like miniature war games being played in the 1870s in Germany. Right, right. Uh, yeah, because they were, you know, it was an exercise in, in you know, unit tactics and, and mm. moving stuff around. And they would do, like, it was almost exactly like playing Warhammer. Right, uh, right. You know, with armies and dice. Yeah. And, but not as expensive. You know, no, no, probably not. Uh, nothing is as expensive as Warhammer. <laughs> and therefore not as good. Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and, and, you know, carrying that forward, uh, I know... Uh, there is a game, uh, once again, thank you, Kickstarter, uh, that is, uh, was successfully funded, uh, called Magicians. Right. I can't remember the gentleman's name who, who wrote it because I really right. just see things and be like, oh, want that? Oh. Click the button. <laughs> money, money. Yeah, yeah, because I'm an idiot. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but you're the keeping the economy afloat, Sean. That's right. I'm doing that's your piece right. for America. I'm I'm making sure Kickstarter has a successful business model. Uh, uh, but but yeah, the, the the game's express purpose is to teach you Korean, uh, right? And and of course, the thing that that made me buy it was that somebody was going to hack it for Japanese as a right. There you uh, go. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there there's a there's a direct like this game is designed to teach you things. It's also going to be right. entertaining. Yes. Uh, you know, I remember when I was in the fifth grade, we had what was essentially uh, a, a role-playing game going on for a, for a long time as an assignment where you would kind of uh, manage this simulated uh, uh, American colonial like right. township uh, right. as, as an assignment and had all of the, the tropes of uh, standard RPGs. Right. Uh, so, like so the yeah. Oregon Trail? Uh, sort of. Uh, th this was Tell actually me about like, the Oregon Trail. I would like to know about this Oregon Trail. I see uh, like memes about the Oregon Trail all over the place. People seem to always end the joke with, and then I got dysentery. But I don't. I've never played. Uh, oh, there we go. <laughs> you <laughs> yes. always beat me to it. So tell me about this Oregon Trail. It sounds like a horrible place. Uh, it was, well, the Oregon Trail was horrible. Uh, I, you know, I never played it myself. I only, I only caught it from the cultural, you know, cachet that it had. Uh, but from my understanding is that it was a, a crude simulation of moving in a wagon heading west along, go figure, the Oregon Trail. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, but you would have to manage, like, you would have kids on the way and some of them might die uh, or you'd be attacked by Indians or run out of food or, you know, that sort of thing. And there was a lot of, like, did did you... Did you uh, did you outfit yourself correctly at the beginning and right. sometimes bad things happen on the way and you can't control it and it's random right. and sucks to be you donner party. Uh, right. Right. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much uh, Oregon trail from, from what I understand. Right. Uh, okay. So, so win, win for Eric or, or no, no win. This Tesseract uh, business, uh, you've got to read the article. I just, I couldn't get my head around the Tesseract, but I a role-playing game is a way to learn. I think what, what he was saying is that we're all going to wind up playing with simulated Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, Maybe. Which I can think of worse things. Right, uh, sure. Ex except that he's smarter than me, and I'd have to, you know, 
<laughs> plus like, why don't you run the game? You know all about the universe. That's right. Yeah. Plus, uh, plus he's got a meme as well, hasn't he? It's the yeah. Deal with the badass <laughs> yeah. here. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so okay. So that's that. Uh, that's that chap. Uh, next one is uh, Lloyd Blankenship. Now, um, for those that don't, did you know about Lloyd Blankenship? Uh, the name sounds really familiar. But... Yeah, he's a bit of a. I think he had a little bit of a cultural renaissance or renaissance. Um, last year with the uh, what's it called the social network the movie about Facebook okay because um, uh, what's the name of the fowler in charge of Facebook now uh, Mike Zuckerberg uh, <laughs> Mike Zuckerberg I don't have a Facebook account check I, me out I do not I, I think I have one <laughs> I, didn't I, even, I didn't even have one and delete it I don't have a Facebook account <laughs> anyway um, so that makes me super cool but anyway because um, I was into social media before <laughs> social really? media was cool <laughs> Right, yeah, I've got a, I've got a virtual moustache. Your 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 fixed wheel bicycle is on its way. That's right. Yeah, I'm a cyber <laughs> I'm a cyber hipster. Um, so anyway, so uh, Lloyd Blankenship. So um, if uh, so, for those that don't know, he was a uh, hacker back in the days of um, freaking, which is oh, okay, uh, yeah. Which and and uh, he uh, so what I've that never is is they no well mm, I well I suppose <laughs> I used to well I've never done that but. Uh, the closest I got to hacking was it used to be uh, in New Zealand at the time. Um, what you could do is if you went to a public telephone box, obviously you could put money in and make a call. But what you could also do was um, if the number you wanted to phone, let's say it was um, uh, 6789, if you went into the phone box and picked up the phone, um, then if you made every digit to 10, so you'd go 4, 3, two and then one and then that would make the phone call that you wanted to make so if you made the numbers equal 10 then you could make the phone call so you could actually phone basically anywhere in the world if you if you could count to 10 right but being a, an eight-year-old who drives to phone anywhere so um, right, right. i didn't phone it but so you could make local calls doing that it's called tapping the phone which is not really the current meaning of second but anyway so freaking um was like phone hacking and so what yeah. you could do is you could take this uh like it would make a noise at some frequency or other um, some low frequency, I think. Um, 2,600 hertz. There you go, 2,600 hertz. <laughs> and then, uh, so, and it would make the, and you could make calls anywhere in the world using this, using some sort of blue box or something that can emit this frequency. Anyway, so, he was one of the early, he was one of the early hackers. And, uh, <laughs> sorry, was, my, my dog is outside playing with, with something and making god awful noises. I apologize. <laughs> no, it's interesting. I couldn't figure out quite what that was. Um, so anyway, so he was one of the early hackers, and what made him particularly um, made him high profile, I guess, is he wrote something called the Hackers Manifesto. Um, I mean, it, it, oh, that, okay. it became it became called the Hackers Manifesto, but the um, but the original title was the Conscience of a Hacker or something like that. Anyway, he called the Hackers Manifesto, and it's basically a um, sort of a, an angry teenage, you don't understand me type type thing. But um, it also uh, struck a chord with um, with disaffected youth that were interested in, in computers, um, and at that time that was sort of a way to escape. So it's not it's not all bad. But he um, so anyway. So how did he get involved with role playing? Well, he um, he wrote the cyberpunk expansion for GURPS. Um, and then what actually happened was, uh, because he was a known hacker, um, I guess there was some other thing. He had a bulletin board that talked about hacking and so forth at the time. Um, and they, Secret Service busted into Steve Jackson's game in, 
using uh, it's like Operation Sun Devil. Well, I think Operation Sun Devil or something in 1990, and uh, they busted in and took all of Steve Jackson's computers, um, and basically caused like brought uh, Steve Jackson games to its knees. Um, he had to get rid of a whole bunch of staff and so because they didn't have any of their uh, computers. Um, three years later, the court case was um, was finalised and they found it in favour of Steve Jackson to the tune of like some number of thousands of dollars and and court costs and so on and so forth. But yeah, the at the time uh, when Steve Jackson was having to go and answer these questions about these computers contain the game written by um, Blankenship, um, that this was actually real stuff. Like all the stuff that he'd got into was actually real stuff and things that people wanted to do. So they, they busted in on those, uh, on those grounds and yeah, basically just about wiped out Steve Jackson games. But anyway, so he wrote, um, he wrote uh, cyberpunk for GURPS. He didn't like convert cyberpunk you know, like you got GURPS, Vampire the Masquerade, so he actually wrote a whole thing. Right. So, some of that, so, so I guess this was back in the days where you know people just didn't know much about computers, so they just assumed that it all could potentially be real because it's almost like magic. I mean, it still is to some people, but the majority yeah. of people are aware of, of what is and isn't possible. Anyway, so his thing was um, it's going to be all about computers. People are going to be able to play these games online he was talking about be able to create a uh, have a computer that was the main um that was the the master and there'd be like slave computers that people could have anywhere in the world um and you could bring up maps on it and you could have like you could pass notes virtually on this and you could show you could reveal little pieces of the map <laughs> you could reveal little pieces of the um of the map to various players that could to would uh, line up with what it was that they could actually see as opposed to what other people could see. And basically, um, yeah, there was no mention of, I mean, he was talking about, <laughs> sorry. Hello. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's ghost oh. in my house. <laughs> the, um, so yeah, so uh, he, but he was talking about uh, role-playing um, the role-playing he described, I think would be, I think he could basically do that now. Like he called it, I think, but um, but it was mostly Dungeons and Dragons type stuff he was talking about. There was no mention of um, the role playing RLE type playing. But uh, what do you reckon? Yeah, when... uh, uh, I I imagine. Well, we have uh, virtual tabletops now, right? Yeah. And that's basically what he's what he's talking about having a central yeah. like a central computer that kind of. Uh, Acts as uh, the thing that everybody else else connects to. I guess it would be a server, uh, yeah, yeah. and and uh, you know you maintain and manipulate that, and everybody can do it in real time or relatively in real time. Right. Uh, you know, if he if he's talking about strictly like one computer controls the mechanics of the world, and you just go and interact with it, right. uh, well, then that's pretty much every every MMO like WoW mm, and Star mm. Wars and right, Guild Wars right. too, because all of all of those are basically uh big fancy uh multi-user dungeons right. uh with with some pretty graphics laid over the top of them. Right. Um so yeah I, I think uh I think in a way he 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 certainly called that. Uh yeah. like we were saying earlier it's it's it still misses the human element because they can't be modified in real time to be able to, to, you know, make, uh, make real, like infinite numbers of choices possible. Right. But, right. 
you know, we can't have everything. No, that's right, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, um, and if you want to check out the actual Hacker's Manifesto um, or uh, The Conscience of a Hacker, um, if you, uh, for all the back issues of Frack are online. I checked it out there. Um, and it's, his Hacker's Manifesto is Volume 1, Issue 7. So if you look up Frack, P-H-R-A-C-K, um, uh, and then you look for uh, Issue 1 and Volume 7 or whatever, it's been preserved for posterity. I think they still produce it. But, um, but anyway, so, yeah, so I'll give a win for uh, Lloyd Blankenship, um, who's no longer a hacker. Or at least not. Uh, at least he doesn't. He claims to not know anybody that's still in the hacking business. But uh, but yes, I think. Uh, yeah, we'll I'm see. I'm sure he shows up at the Black yeah. Hat conference every. Well, year. that's that's the thing. <laughs> apparently, he apparently he gets at least five emails a day of people talking about their lives being changed by reading the Hacks Manifesto. So, um, uh, so there I, you go. I, so I he's definitely had. Yeah, well, that's, he's got a. Um, so he's definitely had impact on society in general. I would yeah. say in a, in a pretty big way. So, so yeah. So, um, wooden for Lloyd uh, Blankenship. Next uh, guy is Michael Stackpole. Now, um, Michael Stackpole uh, is. Um, we were talking about Patricia Pulling earlier on. Actually, Patricia Pulling was the uh, the the mothers against Dungeons and Dragons, or bothered by, bothered bothered by Dungeons and Dragons, or bothered about bothered about Dungeons and Dragons. Bad, yeah, um, uh, and. He wrote the sort of the rebuttal to that, um, which was Game Hysteria and the Truth, which you can also check out online. That's that's available. Um, but he basically took it, did some because re- he has a, a like a PhD from some university or other, so he's got a he's got a background in research, um, and he did research about role players in general. And f- he was the one that did the study that um, basically showed that. As a subset of society, role players actually had a better grip on reality and were less violent than uh, the populace as a whole. So, um, so I guess in some ways he's sort of a darling of role playing. But his uh, central idea was that role playing was going to become far more about story and much more about deeper backgrounds. Like you'd get games that were written for um, particular, I suppose, intellectual properties would be the the, the most accurate way to. To describe it, but there's going to be a deep, deep background of people immersing themselves in that rather than interacting with the system or interacting with their characters. They're going to be interacting with that that backstory. That's that's the one they have the most trouble. Make sure I accurately represent it um, in um, in a few words as possible. But uh, but yeah, I'll, uh, I'll I'll try and post the link to this this article. Um, online, and you can you guys can check it out for yourselves. But anyway, win lost somewhere in the middle. Uh, I, you know, I think he would have won like ten years ago, uh, and maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit earlier than that, and then, and then uh, we've kind of come come around full circle uh, because I think that was uh, back in in you know the mid to late nineties, uh, mm-hmm. especially uh, TSR was famous for this. In fact, I think that's a large part of why they went out of business uh, was that they were they were pumping out. You know, setting after setting after setting uh, that were all, you know, incredibly detailed and deep, and many of them are really, really cool. Uh, right. I, you know, Dark Sun and, and Planescape are still two of my favorite, right? Uh, you know, role playing settings that I haven't been able to do anything with uh, because I don't want to play D anD D Second Edition. But, right. uh, but you know, the 
that was uh that was a trend for for a long time and then uh i i think that there is uh you know there's still obviously the story games you know real you know what i what i'd call real story games where you sit down and you pass the stick and 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 tell a story uh you know fiasco's like that you you're you're uh your character backstory and stuff doesn't matter so much as like what uh, what the mechanics are telling you is yes. is going to happen. And I th- right. and I think that's where it came around full circle. You know, we you know they tried to to get away from you know this game is about combat and make it about something else, yes. uh, but but they didn't follow that up with a system that supported that. And so right. you know people got frustrated with that and started making games that the system facilitated you know those those kinds of play styles and now we have uh now now we have more of a uh, a greater toolbox for exploring different kinds of stories because we have you know uh thousands of of systems that are good at telling different kinds of stories or sort of uh games don't really tell stories we tell stories about games but but the the mechanics facilitate us being able to to create those events that we can then, you know, recount and and uh, and see where where it's kind of taken us. Right. Uh, so you know, I think uh, I think he was I think he was almost there, uh, yeah. but but you know, discounted that idea that uh, that you could make a game about more than just you know how many hit dice does the orc have. Yeah. Uh, and be able to be like, well, how can you incentivize this this other uh, storytelling stuff, like creating creating the fiction and then making that reincorporate into the mechanics, right? Uh, and which is which is where we're we're at now, All right? Um, I was just as an aside to that, um, I was reading a G plus post today by Cam Banks, um, who's a Margaret Weiss guy, right? Yep, yep. Um, and he was talking about. He uh, wasn't saying it was good or bad. He was just saying from his own his own experience, he finds it's hard to visualize a game that doesn't have a strong component of uh, of combat of some kind as being something that he'd be uh, that he he'd be into. Uh, yeah, uh, which is uh, I, I I caught a little bit of that, and uh, I, I've never I've never had the the pleasure of actually meeting Cam like, mm. personally. I, I've interacted with him online a few times right. and, and i think he's i think he's a really really good guy uh he's uh he's he's also very very socially conscious perhaps, yes yes for sure perhaps more so than uh than me uh yeah. but you know i'm i'm, I'm not that I, I don't intend for that to be an aspersion cast on him at all i think he's i think he's a, a great guy but i totally get what he's saying yeah. uh where you know in his in his own life he's very uh conflict averse uh and yes. then and then it's it's hard to look at a role-playing game and be like hey this game about dealing with your family drama uh yeah is less appealing than the game where i shoot laser beams out of my eyes yeah that's uh, right yeah 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 and and uh obviously there's room for both kinds of games uh yes. because because both kinds of games exist and yes. both kinds of games have players uh um, right. I think uh, to to completely uh, make stuff up off the top of my head because I'm unqualified to, to say anything that is going to <laughs> spew out of my gob in the next 20 <laughs> seconds. Uh, 
but but I think that that you know when you when you look at at uh, fiction uh, that that contains uh, a, a heavy dose of violence or the threat of violence, yep. uh, you're 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 pulling at those nice little evolutionary heart you know strings that are mm. that are. Uh, that are universally identifiable to, to, to the human condition. Uh, right. You know, sometime in the past, things tried to eat us. Right. Uh, and, and, it, and it's, and it's a very easy, uh, it's a very th- easy thing to associate with, even if you don't like it in real life, nobody likes getting punched in the face. No, sure. Uh, and, and frankly, punching other people in the face is only fun if it's in sport. Uh, yeah. But, you know, in, in in a story like like that's something that you can you can grab onto you can understand that viscerally it's much mm. harder to to viscerally understand uh your attachment to the sled or a snow globe not uh, sure and and yeah no wonder it's not as much fun to do those it's those those kinds of things tend to be uncomfortable and and yeah uh yeah yeah, I'm with I'm with you. Yeah, absolutely. That's the that's the that's the thing is uh, I've I've mentioned it before, maybe even a couple of uh, weeks ago. Yeah, in fact, uh, Emily Kerr Boss and Ipido Ravishol in episode sixty, we were talking about that. Um, and yeah, I'm with you on that. I don't want to. I'm okay playing somebody who is conflicted, so long as I don't have to go through the process of discovering that conflict. Um, yeah, I'm okay working from the standpoint of I am playing a damaged character because X, but I don't want to actually go through and um, relive that damaging moment. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, I, I, I remember, you know, I was reading that same G plus post that you right. were, and, and there was a comment that Cam made uh, <laughs> that, that made me kind of laugh because I'm exactly the same way. And he's like, there is nothing that turns me off quicker than a role-playing game about dating. About <laughs> dating? Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, like I, 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 gone through that in my real life, and mm. most of the time it was terrible. I don't want right. to. I don't want to role-play that. You know what? I've never yeah. been a knight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can sort of. I'm sort of on board with that. But I think that a role-playing game about dating would be fun if it was tongue in cheek and like, oh God, did you see what she was wearing? She is such a whore. But I think that sort of, that sort of, you know, well, I mean, I'm a teacher, so I deal with this all day, every day. So I get a chance to see all of this sort of going on. And I I have the advantage of, um, of being able to witness these dramas that are actually real for the people that are involved in them play out sort of in, uh, in front of me. Um, and then to sort of like imagine what my what my own self right now would say like this is just crazy like the solution to this is xyz but you know you just watch and just let it let it unfold as part of you know part of the experience no no fun having somebody over your shoulder telling you what the right thing to do is in a video game just like in in real life right you've got to sort of experience it for yourself so i mean for myself i wouldn't mind doing a role-playing game about dating so long as i was not playing um, an adult dating, as long as I was playing like a teenager in high school, um, and then I'm going to also say I would do it once, and then that yeah. would be enough times. <laughs> yeah. See, if if I was going to do that, I would be playing Monster Hearts, where you yes. eventually turn into yes. a werewolf and try to yes. eat somebody. Yeah, like, yeah, for sure. Uh, but but it, it's it's funny that you say that because as a teenager, uh, 
Like that is the 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 possibility of physical violence breaking out mm. is is pretty much a trope. Like even if you yeah. were playing a, a game about dating in high school, yes. like of course you're going to get in a fight over yeah, that's right. uh, over over the pretty girl, you know. Right. Because I mean that's what happened in every John Hughes movie, right? Right. Like, sure. Somebody got in a fight over yeah. over stupid crap. Uh because that's all you do in high school is yes. fight over stupid crap. Uh you do it as an adult and suddenly you have to take it seriously because now you're playing a character that has to behave like an adult. Yeah, yeah. And if you get in a fight with somebody over over uh, any issue related to dating, yes. uh, that instantly makes you an asshole. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and you know you don't you don't want to be that guy. Nobody wants That's to right. be that guy. Right. Uh, sure. So so yeah, like like as soon as you as soon as you have to take it seriously. Uh, it becomes like weird and uncomfortable. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who wants to do that? Yeah, that's the, that's not something I want to do. I mean, that's uh, that's Jackson Tegu um, role playing game territory, right? Like, and that's yeah. like you say, you know, like some people, uh, some people are into that, and some. I'm hoping to get Jackson on the show. He keeps dodging my my uh, requests, and he's available, then he's not available, and he's not available. So, so that's like, a Jackson, shame because that guy, is, that guy, he is a great guy. Like, like he's a yeah, great yeah. human being. I will never yeah, play yeah. one of his games, but he. <laughs> I love the guy. And yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to. I hope he makes it to Big Bad Con this year because. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, but it's just he so was, nice. Yeah, that's right. He was my uh, he was my mother and Luke Crane's. Um, oh yeah, and Luke Crane's uh, lap that we played. I won't give any details away, but he, he yeah. played my uh, played my mother, and I've never been slapped. Talking about violence in games, I've never been slapped as hard as I've been slapped by. <laughs> By Jackson Deku, um, while while playing that game, and he was and he was doing that in a friendly way, like "Come on, my son, this is what you need to uh, what you need to do." But anyway, um, so that's there's one more here, but this one is I don't want to go so far as to say it's laughable, um, but uh, it's awfully specific, um, and obviously uh, the person that had done it was um, was not aware of what's it called um, something or other's law where computing power increases blah 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 what's it called oh, moore's law more as moore's law. okay yeah. um and so this is presto studios and presto studios produced mist um three and also um uh, i can't remember the name of the other one there was a, a group of do you remember you're more of a computer games guy than i am uh i vaguely remember miss three i i think i i stopped at at uh miss two riven i never played right yeah yeah no i i mean i had them with every intention of playing them but i didn't um but i didn't really get a uh i I didn't really get into into them um but anyway yeah so they produced uh the journeyman project there we go i wrote that down the journeyman project um which they had a a bunch of games for um but their central they've got the, the person writing their article got very sort of hung up on how awesome it was going to be when games were on CD-ROMs. Um, <laughs> I, sorry, yeah, sorry. I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why that was. But the, their central idea was that um, we're all going to play role-playing games on computers where we're going to interact with them and the story is going to sort of un- unfold in front of us and we can choose anything we want to happen. So basically sort of virtual reality. Um, but... To me, um, it sounded like um, Dragon's Lair um, HD. Yeah, right, right. Just like I don't want to do that. That sounds that sounds dumb. I, it's yeah, it's going to be like everything's going to be awesome because we're going to have three D graphics on everybody's computer. Um, and I was and I just thought, well, mm, 
And that sort of brings me around to, um, and that brings you around to my, the, my main question, which is, given that we have all this computing power, back 20 years ago, the idea was that um, computing power was going to be the direction that role-playing was going in. Um, and if I can be philosophical for a moment, I wonder whether every, not everybody, because not everybody addressed this directly, but a number of people missed the idea or at least missed the important component of role-playing, which is that it's a social activity and doing it on the computer in a lot of ways takes that social aspect out of it. Uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think that's right. I think part of the problem with trying to predict the future is that, uh, you can't. <laughs> so, uh, not reliably enough to bet on it anyway. Right, right. Uh, you know, there's, there's, you never know what little things are, are going to, to, to hit that you never expected. Right. Um, I think, uh, I think the idea that the computer is going to be integrated into this activity that we already do, uh, is right on. Uh, you know, we're, we're, you're you're in Canada. I'm here in California. We're we're having a conversation in real time. Mm -hmm. uh, if 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 we were so inclined, we could pick up some dice and play a game right mm -hmm. now. Uh, you know, it's it's not ideal, uh, and it's still new enough that that people are getting used to uh, figuring out the nuances of how it works and yeah. and and what's going to work for their their individual groups. Uh, Back in the in the early '90s and, and and late '80s, we had a very different idea of uh, of the future, a, a, an idea that is no longer relevant. Mm. Uh, and you could really see that when you when you look. Uh, it's it's funny that you have two people in that article that uh, that were writing uh, cyberpunk games. Uh, mm. Cyberpunk 2020, yeah. I guess. At yeah. 1993 yeah. would have been 2020, and yeah. uh, and. GURP Cyberpunk, which were both heavily based almost entirely on on William Gibson's novels, uh, which which I love, uh, mm. but those novels are talking about a future that it doesn't exist, yes, right. uh, and and will never exist. Right, uh, right. Things things took a, a very uh, a very different term turn in terms of of society and computers and how how those yeah. two things yeah. uh, interacted. Uh, and and these days, you know, we, we put, uh, you know, everything's about social media, uh, which is really about people talking to other people. Right, uh, right. Pe people talking to massive amounts of other people and having access to uh, to tribes and communities mm. that, that don't span geographic locations. They span, you know, virtual digital places. Right, uh, right. And, and, and even in those places, they're segmented out, you know. Yes, Twitter has how many users, and I talked to, you know, probably 200 of those people, and all 200 of those people have the same interests that I do. Right, uh, right. And, and even some of those people have, uh, you know, are, you know, have, have their own other little tribes that they're, mm. uh, that they're dealing with. Uh, and, and I think all of this is, is a really good thing. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the, uh, you know, Steve Jackson was talking about internationalism, mm. uh, and that's you know th this is how this this stuff happens. Yes. Uh, I I know that there's South American burning wheel players, uh, right, right, because a couple of guys you know boast on the burning wheel forums, uh, and that's really cool because you know the people who are engaging in the in the online community are just a fragment of the actual number yes. of people people playing, right. Uh, 
so yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I think that the, that the future is awesome, but I think that, uh, that what we should be looking at is, is stuff like this that facilitates communication between human beings. That's what's going to let us keep, you know, these, you know, this social activity that we're doing social. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's it for, uh, for this week. Um, you can tune in again uh, next week. My thanks to, uh, Sean Hayworth, who uh, summed it up far better than I possibly could have. So until next week, keep talking the walk. Mm -hmm.